Predictions are dangerous. We absolutely need more inventory. The Fed doesn't actually have a lot of tools to regulate inflation. That cash has dried up. Wow, is my first thought, Bruce. If both parties don't win, it doesn't happen. The Real Look. Trending News. G'day. Today's Wednesday, August 30th. I'm Bruce Hardy. And I'm Chase Williams. And this is the news you need to know. Well, Chase, Jerome Powell, in a very hawkish tone, said that the Federal Reserve officials are prepared to raise the federal funds rate further and hold it at high levels until they're confident that inflation is moving sustainably down to the 2% target. There are some sources of pressure on U.S. prices, and among them is the housing market, Powell said Friday morning during an economic policy symposium in Jackson Hole, Wyoming. What did you take away from Jay Powell's comment? Well, a couple of things, Bruce. One is, to his credit, he's really not saying anything differently than he said and that the Federal Reserve has said. So I appreciate their consistency. There's this underlying hope in the marketplace that they're going to change their tune. They're not. They've said all along, like 2%, that's the target. And until we get there, we're prepared to raise rates, which is exactly what they've done. They're not there yet, so they're still prepared to raise rates. I appreciate his directness and his tone, right? You said a hawkish tone. It's it's very clear, and I like that, right? It's not cloudy. It's not muddy. That's helpful for markets, whether it's the real estate market or the stock market. What they don't like is surprises. <laughs> Even if the news isn't what they prefer, they like it to be clear, right? And of course, as it relates to the housing market, the housing market is a big factor in this whole inflation game, obviously with the raising of rates and mortgage rates, et cetera. But we're kind of persistently outperforming what they're hoping would happen based on what they've done thus far. That's a big deal, Bruce. And that will continue to likely be persistent given the low inventory we have and that causing kind of a lot of prices to hold. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. All markets don't like uncertainty, right? And really, if you think about the Federal Reserve, we've talked about this in the past, Chase, is they have very few tools at their discretion. The raising of interest rates is one of them, and it's their key lever that they get to speed up or slow down the economy. Again, you and I have talked about this ad nauseum about the conflicting data that's been coming out, right? We know that GDP, unemployment, and CPI, or inflation, are the three key metrics that correlate with our economy. And you know, you've got GDP doing well, you've got unemployment, excellent. And then you've got inflation, which is high, which they're looking to bring back down. The other thing that's key here too, is we're going into an election year. What we know is the federal government will put all the pressure that they can on the Federal Reserve not to be raising rates during that election year. No party, no matter who they are, if they're in power, they want to keep things steady. This is my own personal belief is that we're going to see rates continue to rise through the end of the year into December. Yeah, well, let me give you a couple of quotes from our buddy Jay Powell. But before I do that, you said it well, Bruce, like it's not an exact science on how they get control of this thing. And whatever they do, exact or not, there's quite a bit of lag until the result shows up. They're dealing with that element as well. And I'll give you a couple of quotes. There is substantial further ground to cover to get back to price stability. Not a little bit of ground, substantial further ground to cover given their policy. He also says, and I quote, as is often the case, we are navigating by the stars under cloudy skies. We will proceed carefully as we decide whether to tighten further 
or instead to hold the policy rate constant and await further data. That's the lag, right? What I want you to hear there, what I want our listeners to hear is there is no loosening anywhere in sight. It's further tightening or maybe holding, but he's not talking about loosening in any shape, form, or fashion. So for those of us out there that are crossing our fingers that the rates are going to magically go down, I would be really careful with that way of thinking. I would be really careful in communicating that to clients as just a a hope and a prayer. It doesn't mean it can't happen. It just means as we try to help people make good decisions, we want to listen to the clarity we're being given by those that are in charge of taking care of this. And you made a good point there, Chase, and that is, is we won't see rates come down until we go into a recession. Or alternatively, we have a soft landing, right? That term that they like to throw around. And that leads us into our second story. Fannie Mae expects home sales in 2023 to remain near the lowest annual level since 2009. And 2024 isn't shaping up to be great either. In fact, they said in order to achieve a soft landing, economic growth will have to slow to a rate that is below trend for some time in order for the unemployment rate to rise sufficiently to cause wage growth to slow consistent with a 2% inflation target over the long term, but not so slow that the economy falls into a contraction. And that was from the Economic and Strategic Research Group at Fannie Mae. So what thinks you of this? Well, I mean, Fannie Mae's on record and still backing that record that they are calling for a recession. And again, based on their predictions or projections, however you want to think of that, they're thinking that it would begin in the first half of 2024, right? They previously thought maybe by fourth quarter of this year, 2023, now they're saying first half of next year is their prediction. So a little later than they first anticipated. And as it relates to the number of home sales, which is what this story is really talking about. Yeah. The lowest since 2009, that's incredible. Home sales fell 2.2% to an adjusted annual rate of 4.07 million. And that could continue to go down as we enter the fourth quarter, the traditional slower months of selling real estate, along with the persistent increase of rates like we just talked about. That's a very low number, not only compared to what we've seen in recent years, which it's dramatically lower. But again, all the way back to 2009 and even in some years before that, have we seen such a low number of units being sold in a year? I think what's really fascinating there, that number, right, the adjusted annual rate of 4.07, that's in the second quarter, which predominantly is our best quarter of the year, right? So we're already seeing this slowdown there. I mean, the idea that we're going to see those numbers pick up in the third and fourth quarter, mm, unlikely, right? And as you said, there's a lag. There's always a lag between, and you know, going back to our, our previous story with the Fed, when they raise rates, and even the Fed isn't sure about how long it's going to take before the impact of those raised rates actually kick in, right? Because what we know is when they raise the Fed rate, it automatically raises credit card rates, car loan rates, consumer lending rates, right? Not mortgages. The mortgages are tied to the 10-year treasury yield. But when there's enough pain on the economy and people start slowing down their spending, that will cause ultimately everything to slow down. So I think Fannie Mae is on the right track here. I I think that they were smart to revise 
when they think the recession will begin. And by the way, it could even begin a little later than that, right? Because the economy has been so robust. Fannie Mae also said, given the already very low pace of sales, the majority of highly interest rate sensitive borrowers are already on the sidelines and current sales activity is being supported by less rate sensitive buyers, right? So you've got these folks that are watching the rate every day, every week, every month, trying to get into a home. They're on the sidelines already. And so if rates go up a little bit or hold, they're likely to stay on the sidelines if they're rate sensitive. There's others that say, hey, regardless of what the rate is, I have to move, right? And Bruce, you have the four Ds of why people sell or move. Share those with the listeners. (laughs) Well, that's exactly right. The four Ds that drive real estate, death, divorce, debt, and the job, right? Those are four reasons why people will move regardless of whatever interest rate they currently have. And as realtors, we need to put ourselves in opportunities way, right? So how do we put ourselves in the way of people who have to move for those four reasons? Who are the relationships I have to have in order to make that happen? Yeah, Bruce, if you're talking to 10 prospective buyers and sellers, and all of them are rate sensitive, and the rate doesn't change or go down in the next two years, and I'm just making that time frame up, right? How well does your pipeline look? How strong does your pipeline look for buyers and sellers? Those are great potential clients that are motivated by factors that are outside of your control, right? Rates and the marketplace versus those that are attached to the four Ds and have a higher level of motivation. You've got to find the motivated. It's one of the tactics that is taught in the shift book written by Gary Keller, right? Finding the motivated is absolutely critical in a slowing market like we're experiencing because they are out there. They're just not as plentiful as they were once. So looking a little harder and building the skill around finding the quote unquote needle in a haystack is what makes the difference between having success in a market like this and hoping for success in a market like this. It hurts my heart, Chase, to see and hear realtors who are are saying that, oh, we're waiting for the rates to come down, right? When you really understand the economics, the reason the rates will come down is because we're in a recession, <laughs> right? I mean, it, it has to happen. So in a recession, you get a weaker labor market, you get tighter credit and lower consumer confidence, which all puts downward pressure, not only on the interest rates, but by the way, it'll put it down on housing as well. And again, we talked about this last week. What we know is that, yes, this is going to be one of the tougher years for the number of closed units. And yet it'll be the fifth, best year in terms of closed volume. So the opportunity is still there to go out and make a fantastic living in this incredible industry. Yeah, that's exactly right. From a mindset perspective, Bruce, I think there's a lot of realtors and consumers out there that are hoping for a quick bounce. Hey, we saw rates go up and and sales went down, and but pretty soon we're going to bounce off the bottom and, and we'll be right back to where we were. And by the way, we can all hope for that, but planning for that is a bad plan. I would encourage people to plan for this challenge to remain for quite some time, longer than they would like, longer than you would like, longer than I would like. And oh, by the way, if we're wrong and it bounces, then we're all in the right position regardless. But planning on the bounce and it not happening is a recipe for additional pain. And we don't want to see anyone go through that, right? Not at all. Well, Chase, in the real estate news world this week, big news. Keller Williams announced that it was changing its profit sharing program. 
it's been fascinating from my perspective to see the misinformation out there and people are mad and people are happy and it's all over the board. But I, I thought this would be a great opportunity for us to actually sort of clear the air and share the reality of this. So share with us what happened at Mega Camp this year. Well, Bruce, the International Associate Leadership Council, or what Kelly Williams calls the IALC, has all of the power, if you will, to propose voting items around a lot of different things that help us guide the company. One of them is profit share. They have the power and they alone have the power. Now, the IALC is made up of associates only of Keller Williams. So it's not just the figureheads of Keller Williams with a different name attached to them. These are real estate agents in our market centers. These are leaders in our market centers and regions. It's the body and voice of the people. Well, long story short, there was a proposal to change the way that profit share is paid to those former associates who have left Keller Williams and are now competing at another company. They're vested and now they're competing in another company, right? So to clear up one of the first misconceptions or myths is this doesn't involve former associates who are vested, who have retired from real estate, gone on to different opportunities outside of real estate, et cetera. These are agents that are actively aligned with another company. The IALC voted to change the way that their profit share is paid, ultimately changing it from the amount that they're currently receiving, or think of that as 100% of the way profit share was previously paid, changing that to a 5% payout going forward, right? So it doesn't affect those that are no longer in real estate, right? They're vested. They're going to continue to receive 100% of their profit share. It only affects those vested associates who are at another company now, and their profit share will go from 100% of what they were receiving to 5%. Then the vote was, I think it was in the 90 plus percent to vote to change it. And with a few that voted the other way, right? Less than 10%, which is awesome, right? I think that that's one of the things we are so proud of, Bruce, is that we get to vote on these type of items. A quote unquote democracy, or you can understand the concept behind not being told what's happening, but rather participating and voting for or against it. And I think in the first time, and and certainly my memory, and and some that have been here much longer than me, shared that's the first time they've really seen a standing ovation for a vote like this at an IALC meeting, which we have every year, right? And we vote on lots of items. This just happens to be a hot topic. Well, I think what was really fascinating is the process, right? I mean, once this agenda item was brought to the IALC, it was then circulated throughout the entire company. There were conversations and debates at the market center level, at the regional level, and then on the floor at the IALC. And I don't know of any other company, by the way, Chase, where they allow the associates the opportunity to have a say in how the companies run. I just want to say there are people out there who's saying that Keller Williams has lost its integrity because they're not honoring their contracts. No, that's exactly the opposite. They have honored their integrity by following the process. And the PNG has been in place, and everybody who is a part of Keller Williams has access to it so they can read it and see. Additionally, this wasn't Gary Keller's decision. And if anything, it probably put Gary in a position where he might have to defend it. The other thing is the money doesn't go to KW. It goes back into the profit ship. Yep. Right. So that our agents who are with the company, helping the company grow, get to participate in it. And I think that's the big misnomer 
with revenue share versus profit share. In profit share, our owners have agreed to give almost half the profit of the company to the associates who help the company grow. By the way, they paid nothing to participate in that. It's an unbelievable opportunity. It sure is, Bruce. And I think protecting it as it was designed for those that are still committed to helping the company grow and being part of the company and its culture and who we are is the way it was always intended. And this supports that. Here's what I know, Bruce. People in general don't like change. So when change happens, we as a human being, right, we tend to react in, in emotional ways, right? I don't like change. You don't like change. Nobody likes change. Now, that's varying in terms of the degree with which we don't like it and how we react to change. But here's kind of the misconception that I want people to hear. There's going to be some frustrated people that say, hey, you're changing the deal that we made. And they're right. Here's what I mean by that, Bruce. Profit share has always been subject to change since we shook, you know, we shook on the deal. It was subject to change then, it's subject to change before then, and it's subject to change after that. For perspective, we voted to change profit share in different ways eight or nine times since its inception back in the 80s. Changing it is actually not even unprecedented. It's a regular occurrence if you want to think of it that way. So if I'm a vested associate that's now competing at another company, again, that's not a bad thing. This isn't penalizing them. We want people to move freely about the cabin, if you will, in this industry. They're independent contractors. And yet, right, that doesn't mean that they're locked into the same amount or type or way profit share is paid forever because profit share can change anytime. And it's likely to change again in the future, Bruce, because of this process that we have with the IALC. So Although I can appreciate someone's frustration, understand that the deal is subject to change through this democratic process, right? One thing to mention too, Bruce, and and I'll let you kind of share this piece. There is a way for those associates that have left Keller Williams and would like to retain all of their profit share to do that. Share with us how they might do that. And they have time. If they want to come back, they will be reinstated in their tree. By the way, this will be at any time, basically up until July 1st of 2024, right? So almost a year out. And again, for some people, that may be because there's some profit share earners who will get significant money. And again, this is not taking away from our people who retire or get out of the business who have profit share. They will still retain that. By the way, they can will that to their heirs. This only applies to the vested competing agents who are competing at other companies. And, and again, it makes sense, right? If you think about it, what other company on the planet will pay you a portion of profits to compete with them? Sort of weird, right? I, I don't know of any other companies that do it. And to those who've actually generated profit share, by the way, we have shared almost $1.6 billion with a B in profit shares since this program started. One, I want to say congratulations to everyone who got it and thank you for what you did to help earn that. Those who want to be a part of that, there's an opportunity for them to come back or for those to join us and say, hey, I want a piece of that action. Yep. I think it's a really great move by the associates of the company, but that's just my personal opinion, right? Like we get a vote and we have a process behind that and 
to see that played out, regardless of this decision, is a win in and of itself, Bruce, for who we are as a company. And I would just say to any of our listeners, if you want additional details on what happened, both you and I were there, Chase. We were in the room when that historic vote took place. So we'd be happy to share that information. That's the news you need to know. Don't miss this Friday's Northern Lights episode where we'll interview Alyssa Gamble with Keller Williams Realty Boise in Boise, Idaho. Thanks again for tuning in with us on The Real Look. This podcast is produced by Marissa Frost. Visit kwnwr.com to access the show notes from today's episode. Head over to Spotify, Apple, or wherever you get your podcasts to subscribe to The Real Look. And don't forget to leave us a review. Thanks again for listening. We'll be back next week with a breakdown of all things real estate.